I just think if, if you really want to like look at a specific time in a specific place, like 80s LA when everybody was so glamorous and like you could see a picture of Tony Danza in like a, in like a, in a suit walking in, Jack Nicholson is behind him in like a bomber jacket. And then like, you know, Walter Matthau shows up and it's like just the weirdest assortment of like LA types. You're listening to The Taste Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Rodbard. Today in the show, I welcome in one of my favorite writers in the game, Jason Diamond. Jason runs a wonderful newsletter, The Melt, and has written two books, Searching for John Hughes and The Sprawl. In this action-packed episode, we cover a great many topics, including Spago Rock, Time Travel, Forgotten Foods of Chicago, Burger Night at the Diamond Household, and covering the enigmatic restaurateur Keith McNally. This is only a fraction of what we talk about, and I really hope you enjoy it. Jason Diamond, welcome to Taste Podcast. Thank you for having me. I'm I'm happy that you're here. I haven't been in the studio in a while, and we are IRL in New York. So, yeah, yeah. hell yeah. Listen, I wanted to have you in because I feel like you've had such an incredible year in terms of just creating content. I hate that term, but it, <laughs> it means something to our listeners. Like, essential follows on all socials, so please do that. I think that your, your, your newsletter um, that we can talk about, The Melt, is – Essential read. It, it covers culture and food, and and it just captures the spirit of New York, and and really um, an age that we share and that many of our listeners share. But also, you write a lot of freelance too. Yeah. I so do. man, nice year. Yeah, it's been it's been you know it's funny because like I um I was an editor on and off for a long time, and that was something I just fell into. I never wanted to be an editor. I just wanted to write. Yeah. And, um, at some point, I was like, you know what? I'm now 40 years old, yep. and I've just got to do it. I'm just going to start writing. I've been doing this for so long, I might as well just, you know, just go and write and write and write and write. That's it's like you write, but you also, like, observe. You walk. You you walk the streets. You you have a really great sense of, of culture. Um, and we can talk about all of your projects on, on the show because you have a lot of cool things going on. Um, I have to ask, though um, – what brought me in, I think, initially to 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 the melt was Spago Rock. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, can we go there? Because, you know, I'm not sure if you coined the term, but you've you've elevated the term of Spago Rock, which is a combination of food, which is the show is around uh, based around, but also music, which I love and you you love as well. Let's talk about Spago Rock. What is it? So Spago Rock is uh, the technical way of putting it is. When you had all those artists from the 60s and 70s that were trying to um, figure out their way through the 80s and 90s. Yes. And they're like, we're just going to like, you know, add some f- corny synth music here and some maybe some synthetic saxophone sounds here and kind <laughs> of a chill, you know, you could drink some sparkling water to this music vibe and uh, then get in your Cadillac or, or convertible and drive down the uh, Pacific Coast <laughs> Highway with the, the, the wind... Blowing, blowing hair vibe. Yeah, or if you're Phil Collins, then not a lot of hair. Because Phil Collins, even though he's not really in the canon of Spago, he's kind of the energy of Spago Rock. Oh, I he's feel. definitely in the canon. He's in the canon. Yeah, okay, I think cool. he is. I mean, for me, it's Higher Love by Steve Winwood and oh. Waiting for a Start of Fall by Boy Meets Girl. Those are the two songs to me that capture this element, um, this this vibe. I feel like Spago, though, let's get into that. Yeah. Why Spago? And, and, and have you ever been to Spago? I didn't coin the term, but... Uh, I, 
I have not been to Spago. I have been to many of the uh, Wolfgang Puck Airport restaurants. <laughs> yes, I always I'm always lured in by that ungodly logo that is just like. It shouldn't have happened, but it did, and I'm very happy because I love really gaudy, colorful, ugly logos. Um, but one day I'll go to Spago. My wife really wants to go to Spago with me, so I'm holding on. Yeah, so what, what? why is that restaurant, that the iconic Los Angeles restaurant, Wolfbane Puck is the chef, owner, proprietor. Sherry Yard used to be the pastry chef. Shouts to Sherry Yard. No longer there. Why that restaurant? I just think if, if you really want to, like, look at a specific time in a specific place, like 80s LA when everybody was so glamorous and, you know, they could just roll up in, like you could see a picture of Tony Danza in like, yeah. a, in like a, in a suit walking in, Jack Nicholson is behind him in like a bomber jacket. And then like, you know, Walter Matthau shows up and it's like just the weirdest assortment of like yeah. LA types. Um, and they just, it, it, it's just kind of a nice free feeling because when you look at the history of like celebrities going out, I mean, up until like the 70s, they're always wearing like suits. Yes. And, and Spago just sort of to me encapsulates sort of this like chill, like, you know, we've made it, baby boomer. Uh, actor sort of vibe that I but the the, the, I, the the way the pants uh, are fit like the the, oh. the seam the the hems and the kind of the width of the pants is it makes the whole era just oh. so special it's so comfortable it's, like it's comfort yeah I wear baggier stuff too yeah. and um you know I'm that that to me is very inspiring like I love looking at old photos of like weird Soho gallery owners yeah. from 1987 and um you know baggier fits to me. I'm not a little person, you know, so it's like hmm. I'm built. I always joke I'm built for for shtetl, Russian <laughs> shtetl winters. And, um, you know, so the tight jean thing was never my uh, my my go. to. Yeah. The last like t decade was tough for, yeah. for, for you. But but now we are in a more free flowing era. And I, I loved if you look at like if you go down to like downtown, you're seeing 20 year olds wearing like really wide pants. It's crazy. My wife has she's gotten into wider pants, which yeah. I love. And, you know, it's just it's funny. And then like then the Spago thing, you know, it just. It really started to take off. I started to notice it in clothing. I started to notice it like, you know, I go to uh, Bernie's in in Greenpoint, yeah. and I'm like, this kind of has that vibe a little bit, and it's 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 not it doesn't like have the Spago vibe, but it has that sort of like 2022 take on it, and you know, I just started noticing it in all these different places, and like just this these little hints of like that culture, and. Um, I don't know. I just think people want to be a little bit more chill. I agree. And if you go to Bernie's, you might even hear Love Will Never Do Without You by Janet Jackson. Oh, yeah, I'm sure. I mean, that's canon for me yeah. for Spago Rock. I love that song. Janet also, that just Janet in that whole era. Like, Oh, God. She's, she's my favorite Jackson personally, but um, yeah. That's a good one. Um, so I want to ask you about The Melt because The Melt is, again, I'll link to it in the show notes. It's such a, an essential read. You don't monetize it, right? You're not asking no, for money. No. You just write it. Yeah. Well, what's like? what are a couple of favorite stories that you've written this year for food food stories uh, on The Melt? I mean, you do cover lots of different topics. You know, we end up, my wife and I went to, uh, to France earlier this summer, and um, we just, you know, you do that thing where you're like, oh, you got to get reservations and you got to do this. And I'm mm. I'm more the person like, no, let's just stop in. Mm. Let's see, blah, blah, blah. And um, we ended up doing that one night. We got reservations every other night and they're all good. Uh, but then the one night we didn't, we stopped into this one restaurant. I'm going to I butcher the name, but it was something mutar. It was like duck something. Mm -hmm. And I love duck. And um it was so beautiful. It was such a, everything there is made with duck. They they're just duck obsessive, and um, 
I told you. Canard le plus. Something, yeah, something. I, I got to remember the name. I'll, I'll send it to you. But um, I was like, I'm coming back next year. I'm going to come here. And, uh, you know, he's like, oh, no, unfortunately, we are closing. We've been here 25 years. I'm just too old, blah, blah, blah. And uh, oh, no. we had no, we had a lovely conversation about it. He's like, I want to go retire to the farm. I'm 70. <laughs> and I was like, okay, that's sad. But it was that, you know, getting to write about like that experience. Yeah. Cause that's what I like. That's what I like to write about when I write about food is the experience. Right. You know, it's, um, I'm not a critic. I don't write about, I can't criticize food. I can't, I mean, I can, I definitely can and I do. But I think your experience eating or enjoying yeah. an experience is, is different than mine. And, um, so I just try to write about the experience and, and, and what that. brings me joy. And that, that was one that really brought me joy. It's cool. I, I remember that story now you mention it. And I do think, uh, the, dr- the draw of your writing is, uh, not as scene setting, yeah. you know, and really you're great at that. Thanks. Have you done any like screenplay writing or any of that kind of work? Yeah. I'm actually working on one right now. Oh, it's wow. A, it's a, I can't really talk too much about it. Oh, it wow. Is. You're in that mode. I yeah. can't talk about it I'm mode. In, I'm in the can't talk about it. Let's but do it. It, <laughs> it is food. It is food related. And, um, oh, yeah, so it's been that's been a very rewarding experience. Interesting. Yeah, probably hot seller's market with the bear. I'm sure there's. Oh definitely... my god! You know that. That's you know that that really like inspired me a lot coming from that world. You know, like for Chicago. Yeah. My 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 grandfather owned a, a hot dog place in really? the suburbs. Yeah. And um, it was one of those like he just kept retiring but finding new businesses that he always wanted to own. So he bought a um, a place called Cookers in I think it was like Wheeling or Buffalo Grove, Illinois, and. Yeah, I mean, the joke is that I love to tell people is he um, he brought me in when I was like you know this t- yeah. like seven years old. He's like he had a very thick Chicago accent. He's like Jay, I'm gonna show you how to do the the Italian beef. And he had this um, the guy making it, and the guy <laughs> just kind of like dipped the sandwich, like very daintily dipped mm. the sandwich. My I'll never forget my grandfather going, no no no, you gotta take the tongs and you gotta <laughs> dip the whole thing in there. And he dipped the whole <laughs> sandwich, and I was like. That's a sandwich? I know, the wet sandwich. Oh. The wet. Uh, so I have to ask you about Skokie. You grew up in Skokie, yeah. which I, my grandmother lived in Highland Park, and oh, my dad wow. grew up in Rogers Park. So, oh, wow. Yeah, my dad's from Northside. My so. mom's, yeah. My family lived in um, on Kedzie and Tui. Oh, no way. My dad was uh, was um, Columbian Sheridan. Oh, wow. Yeah, ran by the lake. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yo, shout. Like, this is this is great. We can talk about Northside oh, uh, back, it. you know, off mic. But I want to <laughs> find out, what was food like growing up in Skokie for you? I mean, was uh, were you going to the classic delis where you're going to old orchard yeah. the bagel um yeah. uh yeah what was it like well i mean so i ha- i always joke that i have dual citizenship with with <laughs> chicago and new york because my Love dad it. is a new yorker my mom her family is from chicago and um i was born in skokie and you know my my earliest memories in chicago are skokie and there was barnum and bagel obviously which um I still like I, I pine for I like love that place. Yeah, I definitely, 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 definitely remember that place. Yeah, Absolutely. and and that was a good one. And Kaufman's, you know, Kaufman's is it. It's just it's really funny. I was staying in Chicago like a year or two ago, and my friend was I was staying in his apartment. He's like, you could pay me back by going into Skokie and getting me some good bagels at Kaufman's. And I'm like, it is so sad mm. that this city with this rich Jewish history has no bagels. So mm. I have to go to Skokie to get yeah. Them. Um, and that's just how it is. Um, so yeah, you know, I mean, like I, it was funny because like I, I spent a lot of time in diners as a kid with my um, my grandfather. Well, you know, my mom's family have been in America a little longer. My mom, my dad's family, you know, Holocaust survivors. My dad was born in in France. Mm-hmm. Um, so my grandfather would take me to a lot of diners, and I would just hang out and listen to these guys talk in Yiddish. Um, and it really, 
that that to me just really kind of made me appreciate I think sitting around with people and, yeah um, you know because I came to understand like how important that was to did them. that kind of attune you uh, you know tune your ear to to journalism a little bit like being able to to, to, to sit and listen to your grandfather talk yeah you know it's funny specifically the language thing because yeah um, when I was a kid my dad so my dad spoke French Yiddish and Polish. And also my stepmother, who came into my life when I was two, mm. uh, is Peruvian. Mm. So she spoke Spanish. And my dad, you know, picked that up really fast. So the um the the thing that my family would do is they would speak all these different languages and switch it up so we couldn't un- so the kids couldn't understand what they were talking about. It was very weird. <laughs> and so I really, I think, started paying just closer attention to trying to because I couldn't understand what they were saying, but I would pick up yeah. on little signals, and I think that really— Yeah, I mean, it really, like, conditioned you to, like, have to listen very hard because yeah. language was all over the place in your household. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, I asked Helen Rosner this on a previous episode, and I want to ask you this. You know, in Chicago, we know about the pizzas and we know about the beefs, but is there a food that you think doesn't get enough national attention from your city? Oh, my God. And uh, I think Helen and I have talked about this because uh, whenever we go out, we end up talking about— Chicago food, but um, there's this. First of all, I think, um, uh, 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 oh gosh, I'm gonna, I'm blanking on the name, and I should know this, but I'll come back to it. Yeah. Um, the mother-in-law, have you ever heard of this? Mm-mm. It's a tamale. It's, but it's not like a Mexican tamale. It's like I think the there's a whole th- subculture of like Polish tamales. Okay, let's go. I, I don't know this. This this makes sense. It's a weird thing. Like just like it's one of those things where like Polish immigrants started making tamales and they. They, the frozen ones you get at the mar- at the supermarket, yeah. I think. And I think they top it with chili. Okay, that makes sense. It's a very, yeah, I've, that, I, I should remember it better uh, if I'm going to claim it as a thing. But, I mean, honestly, the Mexican food. Yes. When I go, I remember once I got into a fight with, a, with my wife's best friend when we first started dating because she lived in Texas. And I said, the Mexican food in Chicago is better. She's like, how dare you, blah, blah, blah. I'm like... You have Tex-Mex. Chicago has, and I didn't want to get into it too much, but it's just incredible. Like Maxwell Street alone mm-hmm. is one of the greatest places in America for a multitude of reasons. But um, yeah, I mean, the, the, the Mexican food besides L.A. Oh, my like, God. If you me, go south, too, there's like neighborhoods in the south, oh like my near God. south side. They have oh. great Mexican neighborhoods. I'm forgetting the names of them. But yeah. I, I agree. I'm glad you bring that up. Um, more needs to be written about. Mexican food in Chicago yeah. and the diaspora there. Yeah. It's pretty remarkable. Yeah, Mexican food, I would say, like, a lot of, like, um, like southern, like, soul, like, food kind of stuff yeah. is, like, really fascinating and, like, really good. Um, I always tell people go to – whenever anybody asks me, they're like, oh, where should I go to eat? I go, go to Harold's. Find a Harold's. Mm-hmm. I don't care what Harold's it is. It's not the greatest fried chicken you're ever going to have, but it's so Chicago-specific because they have mild sauce. And yeah. I think – they deep fry it in beef talon. You know, mm-hmm. it's like like an old Southern thing. And I'm like, just go there. That's what yeah. you have to do. And when one out of like five people say, take me up on that. Yeah, it's a solid a solid pick. Yeah. And then for, for pizza, just one 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 word, one 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 name that you you, you always go to. Candlelight. Yeah. I go to Candlelight in uh, in, in Rogers Park. Yeah. Uh, that's where my family's been going since yep. the 50s. Uh you know, they're they're I I, I love I love tavern style. 
Jason, you're an old soul. I, I mean, you really are. You're, it's it's hopefully it's a compliment. It's kind of a no, no. term, but I, I really I like you. You know, you know, it's nostalgia. You're a journalist. You're a historian. You 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 think about the past. So, if you could time travel back to an era for the food, when and in which city? Oh man, you know, this is a real tough one. I would, I would I would go. I I would have loved to eat in. <laughs> In New York in like the 40s or the 30s. Cool. You know, sometime I'd love to just be able to like put on a tuxedo and be like, I'm going to go to OG Carnegie Deli. Oh, And yeah. then I'm going to end up at, at what's it called? Um, 21. Yeah. You know, I'd love to see those old. I just, I'm obsessed with those old nightclubs and. Um, and honestly, I just, this is where it's going to get dark, but I'm like, I feel like as a Jew, uh, there are many places I could time travel back to and feel comfortable. So I'm, <laughs> I'm going to stick to New York and, uh, <laughs> I don't think, you know, I'd love to go to Austria in like the, the teens or the twenties and eat pastries all day with, uh, you know, Freud and people he, like that, but that's uh, probably not safe. Probably going to have, you know, risk your life. I'd, I'd head down to Hester and Lori's side of that era too. Yeah. And Bagels. to see what the real Ashkenazi first gen food would be like. Oh my gosh! Yeah, like just they do those things. They used to do the things. Um, I forget what they're called, but at Russ and Daughters, they talk about it a lot. The uh, it's like the fish guts that they kind yeah. of like. They did weird stuff like that, but also it was like a tripe. They called it like fish tripe. Yeah, I something yeah. like that. But I would love to try that stuff. And um, you know, they rolled beef used to be more of a thing. Yep. Uh, you can only get it at, like one place now. Uh, there's just so much stuff. And like Shabbat, what would Shabbat have been like uh, uh, Like in 1910? They would have used the whole chicken. They would have uh, used the, the schmaltz would have been great. Schmaltz would have been, yeah, I mean, the, 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 the carp would have been in the bathtub if they had a bathtub. I mean, it would kill it right there. Yeah. That's what they used to gefilte do. Gefilte fish, I, I can't, I don't like it. Have you ever had good gefilte fish? Yes. Okay, great. My mother-in-law, uh, God bless, I have, to throw, I have to shout out my mother-in-law. She she throws the whole just the whole kitchen sink at, at the Seder. And um the one thing she doesn't make is she gets to get filter fish from she loves to tell me this mm. from Super Saul mm. up in uh I think in Westchester in Scarsdale. And it's I love I like gefilte fish. I just don't like disgusting gefilte Yeah, the fish. gelatinous uh, the Manischewitz yes. version. You just don't want yes. that at your at table. Okay, related. Uh, let's talk about the new Eisenbergs. <laughs> now, Eisenbergs to me a famous uh, like lunch counter uh, in you know the Flatiron. Bad food yeah. for the past like decade. Great place to hang though. Yeah. So now oh it's God. new. You've written about it. I think. What What's the new spot like? Um, I really like it. I What's first it called of all, first S and P lunch S&P, counter, right. I believe, or just S and P. But yeah. um, you know, I I really like the Court Street Grocer guys. I've yeah. been eating their sandwiches for a long time. Um, mm-hmm. so when it it was them who took it over, I was just I was ecstatic. Um, I like the vibe there. People seem to really enjoy it. Uh, the food's good, so I can't really complain about that. Um, yeah, I, I want to see how it ages. Did they lose the patina? I mean, like no. when you walked in, so they really preserved it. I mean, you know, like they cleaned up the bathroom and they like, oh, yeah, thank they, God, yeah, <laughs> they, they 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 like. It feels the same. It feels like if if Eisenberg's just was like, oh, you know, we need a little makeover, just a little tiny, clean up a couple things. Not bad. Nothing really too ostentatious. I really like it. Ozerski used to do his videos from there. I remember yes. back in the day. Those are, uh, it was just it's just such a place that has a real connection. Like it's a space. It's a New York space. Yeah. When I was in there reporting, this woman wandered in. You know, it would let people just kind of come in, especially the older, yeah. You know, the the people looking up, like, oh my god, I used to come. Here. And this woman was like telling me, 
she started going there in the 70s, early 70s. And like the stories she would tell me, she's like, this is where all the printers were. And oh. I, you know, because like it was like that was the printer district. I sure. Think. Yeah. Um, and she's like, it was the only place I felt safe because I would be up at, you know, one or two in the morning and this was open. And um, wow. Yeah. Uh, can't wait to make it there. Okay, let's talk about PJ Clark's. <laughs> I believe you've 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 laid it down that this is the perfect NYC dining experience. PJ Clark's, which location? <laughs> okay, you're laughing. Is this, uh, no, did no, I misquote by, you? By, no, 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 no. By the Lincoln Center. I just feel oh, Lincoln like Center, yeah, of I, I I just I, I worry with this one that people are going to be like, uh, it's not that good, and it's it's that's the thing. The food isn't my favorite in the world, but. Yeah, no. but no, but I, I said it. I think accurately. It was the dining experience. Yes. So, so Lincoln Center listeners will be heading to New York um, more and more by the day. It's New York is packed and looking really. Fu- it's yeah. really fun right now. So why what a vibe? Like I love this time. Of I year. love it this yeah. time of year and, and into even into January. It, it's a great time to visit in the winter. Now, why PJ Clark's? Why is that your favorite dining experience at Lincoln Center? It's just really like it's just. First of all, there's always space. Which is crazy. Um, True. In New York City, when you could just walk in somewhere and you're like, okay, I'm going to get a decent martini and there's always going to be a place to sit. That's 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 a starter right there. Um, second of all, the food is is decent. It's not bad. Um, not bad. Yeah, it's it's it does the trick. Um, you know, I just it just has this. I like a clubby sort of vibe. I like. Um, I like the original PJ Clark's, you know. Yeah. But I like that's on the east side. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I went there in last February. I remember after our book came out, Daniel Holzman and I went there and had a had a, a celebratory meal. And that was that was a fun place. Yeah, it's people fun. getting drunk at like twelve. <sighs> people dipped oh. <laughs> interesting scene. Yeah, it's it's like it's like one of those last holdouts. It's like, yeah. you know, it's it's not a dive bar. It's like um No. You know, but I don't know. It's it's just a fun PJ Clark's to me is like the Clo- the, the that specific PJ Clark's the uh, the one by Lincoln Center mm-hmm. is the closest I get to a suburban vibe in Manhattan that I appreciate. Love that. If it, that, it's like you know, I used to love when I was a kid. We'd go to Bennigan's. I'd be like, this is the height of dining. Yep. Um, and it did have a you know when you were like eight. Bennigan seems like the most adult thing in the world. Oh, it's a pub. You get a big me- menu. There's adult drinks yeah. all around. There's people who are adults doing adult things. Yeah, yeah, because you have to pass a bar to get in. Yeah, right. Good call. It is. It is one of the like early stage adult restaurants for me too. Yeah. Oh my gosh, it was great. Yeah. And then you know, like, I think I love like Chili's and places like that. But Bennigan. Yeah. But I think PJ Clark's. I don't know what it is. There's just something about it that like calls back to me being a kid and being like I. This is my idea of what adulthood looks like, but it's also there's nothing pretentious about it. There's nothing too stuffy about it. Yeah. You get all kinds of people, tourists, New Yorkers, people having the most random weird conversations at the bar, you know, people coming from the from the from Lincoln Center. Lincoln Center post show before before a show. Yeah, yeah. It's nice. Did you write when you were at Punch, we we randomly had the same job at Punch uh, which we no longer have. Um did you edit that story about the bartender there? Were you involved with that piece? Can't remember. There was like a, there's a guy there who's been there for like 30 no, years. No, I don't think I okay. did. Not you. No, I wish I did. Um, the the bartenders there are a legend. Um, all of these questions about New York City dining have kind of are, are bringing us to this question about the book you're working mm-hmm. on. And you've announced it, I believe, on social media. Mm-hmm. This is not this isn't secret, but you're working on a book about New York City classics. What, what's 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 the oh, good, it's, what's, so I'm working with uh, New York Nico, 
Yeah, yeah, New York, New York, Nico. Yeah, it's it's New York. Bing bong. Yeah, Bing. <laughs> yeah, it's his. Sorry, God. Knicks fans. Yeah, that that was you guys. You guys suck. Sorry, <laughs> Nets fan here. You guys suck. New York, Nico though does not suck. No, no, he's he's the best. But um, the book is New York, Nico and Friends: Guide to New York City. Nice. Um, and you know, I I've been a fan of what he's been doing for so long, and um, I wrote a thing about him for for New York last summer. And um, it just kind of coincided with him getting this book deal. And he was like, hey, I really like how you work. And cool. you seem to get it. And um, yeah, I just, um, we've been going around all over the city. I mean, just everywhere in the city. Care to share? Can you name a few spots? Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, I got to see the basement of Veselka, which was like, wow. That was, that was, first of all, I was like, this is the biggest moment of my life going downstairs of Veselka. But then I immediately froze because it was all old Ukrainian women just looking at me. And I'm like, oh, God, this is like my childhood. I'm so terrified right now. So um, is the basement where they assemble? Yeah. Wow. Oh, my God. It's wow. crazy down there. It's like five Ukrainian women making pierogies bunch of soup bath it's crazy um we've been to russo's we went to like i mean we've been to like this there's this one trini spot up in um south ozone i think in queens mm -hmm. and i was like i we rolled up at like nine in the morning and there's already a line out the door wow and i'm like man trinidadian food that stuff people line up for that yeah because it's if it's that good you yeah, because it goes fast, yeah. and it's like one of those limited quantity things. Yeah, yeah. What's 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 the dish there? What's the what's the item? Their thing is they make the bacon shark, mm -hmm. uh, not bacon shark. Let's bake and shark. Mm -hmm. uh, but uh, you know, it's like the breaded shark that they deep fry. Like, oh my god, it's crazy. Um, and then I mean, oh, shoot, we've been everywhere. I mean, we went to obviously Russ and Daughters, Katz's. Um, then we go into like, we're going to Staten Island tomorrow. Oh, cool. That's, yeah. are you going to Pat's? I think so. Yeah, you gotta I'm, go to Pat's. I'm really excited about Staten Island. I'm, just getting to know the Pat's story is cool. Yeah, I've heard that. Yeah. I'm very excited about that. Yeah. So this is interesting. How did you and Nico come up with the list? Because I mean, there's a lot of ways you can tackle it. Is it just Nico's picks? Um, uh, it's some of his picks. And then he gets like a lot of his friends, like cool. a lot of the people in his universe. So like, um, there's this one guy I really like, Lil Mo Mozzarella who mm -hmm. picked Luigi's in Park Slope, which is my favorite slice. Yeah. So I was, like, amped. I was like, oh, my God, we get to go to my favorite pizza place. Uh, you know, it's like, so they'll pick some spots, and then I'll just do a little dive into the history. I'll talk to the owners, which has been really beautiful. I mean, like, I've been going to Luigi's for almost 20 years, getting to talk to the owner, who I know, who's like, oh, I know you. I'm like, yeah, of course you do. I've been coming here for 20 years. Mm -hmm. I got, like, five or six pounds on me because of you. <laughs> um Getting to talk to him, you know, it's lovely. It like, and it's after the last few years of being kind of stuck in my little part of Brooklyn, which I love, uh, getting to be able to go out and just look at the city and talk to people in the city again, going to the Bronx, going to Queens, going. It's just so beautiful and so. Um, I love that the way you talk about it. It's, it's like why we do journalism. It's like this like secret pass. Oh my this god, this guest pass into into worlds and universes. It's we're lucky, right? Oh, it's like I joke with with Nico. I'm like every time we go to anywhere. Doesn't matter where I feel like that's that scene in Goodfellas where they're like <laughs> being ushered through the back door of the yeah. club. And you know, like this is I grew up in the food world, I grew up in the restaurant world. Mm -hmm. These are my people. And so it's like when we get to go to those places, you know, we go to a lot of other we're going to like I mean, we're going to all sorts of different places. Are you going to like the carbones of the world, like the modern no. places? No, I don't think so. Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, we did like no, we haven't really done 
I, I, I got Edith's on there. I'm a big Edith's yeah. fan. That's a that's a modern place. Um, I, I I was like, we should put Edith's on there. I think she's got Alyssa's mm-hmm. got an incredible story. They make incredible bagels. Everything yeah. there is good. So that was a more. There's a couple of modern places, but nothing too. It's mostly like you know the mom and pop places. Cool. Carbone is fine. They're good. No, listen, we don't need to support Carbone. It was so random. I don't know why I mentioned Carbone. That would be funny though. If Mario like- gets enough press. We yeah. don't need to give him. <laughs> now, um, when's the book out? Uh, twenty twenty four. We're aim. We're trying to push them to do it a little earlier. It's uh, yeah. it's Harper Collins. Yeah. So we'll see. Jay, can't wait. I can't wait to see that book and talk about it. <sighs> Me too. I want to talk to you a bit about home cooking because you write a lot about restaurants, but clearly you love cooking and and the, and, and hosting and and entertaining, and you've written about these topics and you've you've rammed about these topics, and so I have a couple topical ideas here. So first is Burger Night. Burger Night. What is Burger Night like in the Diamond household? Okay, so I, I have to preface this by saying because I joked with my wife that I was going to come on this show and say that. She's a terrible cook and I'm a great cook, but that's the biggest lie in the yeah, world. Good. She's actually my wife is. Say her name. Who's your wife? My wife is Emily. Emily, uh, Emily Goldshire Diamond. Great. Um, Shouts she to is, Emily. Uh, she's an amazing cook. Uh, she is. I, I joke. It's like she's free jazz. I'm. <laughs> I'm like the the third grade symphony that has to like yeah. do it by the book by the metronome. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I always have a cookbook, you know, so yeah. she could just go in there and just be like, bah, 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 bah. It's, <laughs> and it's uh, good. It's always good. Yeah. She's always, I'm a little bit more on the, uh, nah, I'm okay. Yeah. But, um, burger night, we used to live across the street from Minetta Tavern, uh, famously owned by my, my, uh, my, my muse, Keith McNally. Oh yeah. You and Keith, <laughs> we, we can talk about that, but we will, we'll come back to that. Um, and we got really lucky cause it was like right after we got married, I was still in my like late twenties. She was still in her twenties. So we could still go out and get really hungry and get, uh, you know, after a few drinks and be like, Oh, we could just roll up to Manetta Tavern. We know everybody there. It's like <laughs> people I worked with and, um, they would just let us in. And so I got really addicted to the burger. Yeah. The, and sometimes I would get the black, black label, label right? Yeah. The black label famous, yeah, forty five bucks when it dropped yep. first, right? Yeah, you know. So. Well, I think it was like cheaper. Oh, but it, it was? just keeps getting. Yeah, uh, it was like not cheaper, but it was like no. yes, like inflation wise, it was yeah. forty five bucks. Right, right, right. Oh uh, yeah, adjusted for current. yeah, yeah, right, yeah, great. Um, yeah, so we, my wife, just one night was like, "Why don't you just make this at home?" <laughs> and I was like, "You know what? I'm gonna find out what the what the." The meat, like how they do, like what the what yeah. the, uh, you know the, the ratios. Yeah. yeah, I don't usually get precious about things nah. like that, but I'm like, I'm gonna do it, and um, yeah, we just. She, I, my wife loves to say she gets really drunk because she doesn't do that very often. Like she's a two, it's a two martini night, mm-hmm. uh, and she drinks her two martinis while I make the burgers, nah. and uh, it's a whole thing. It's like. It's, Take my time with the onions. And, no, so let's know. get into the structure. So are we talking about a soft roll? Or are we talking about brioche. a hard roll? It's a brioche yeah. bun. Yeah, yeah, yeah I, I go. I go to um, what's that? One of those French. Yeah, yeah. one of those places. Blah 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 French. Yeah. Um, and then a, a cheese choice. What What do you do? Uh, I do. I actually, we are a proud American cheese family. You go. That's the Midwest in you. Yeah. And she likes it too. That's she actually once it was very romantic. She once said mm-hmm. something I love about us is that we both love American cheese. And I'm like, that is nice. Dude, McDonald's started like 30 miles from where you grew up. Yeah. Oh, like, oh I have a McDonald's story. Oh, let's go. We're a food podcast. I, let's do listen, it. Listen, my family. Wait. We Wait, no, secrets. No, this is not <laughs> believe me, I don't this is not if this was a secret, I wouldn't be telling. <laughs> my great grandfather was a uh, had a dry cleaning business and he used to have 
come home and complain to my great grandma. He had this customer that he called Meshuggah Ray. And Meshuggah Ray was like, Irv, for $10,000, I can get you one of these restaurants that I'm opening. Blah, blah, no. blah, blah, blah. It's a famous Meshuggah family story. Ray. And he, my grandfather was like, he's crazy. He's an idiot. Blah, blah, blah. My family could have been on the ground floor of that. Yeah, an uh, early franchise with yeah, points. We'd be like crazy rich. Wow. Uh, it's it's that's my uh, my serious man. You know the Coen Brothers movie yeah. where they're in the shtetl. That's like my yeah. <laughs> I love my, that part my origin of the movie. story. Oh, um, but yeah, I mean, I love. Yeah, Ray Kroc shouts to no, maybe not shouts to Ray Kroc. <laughs> I don't really want to do that, but <sighs> but that's a that's an interesting family story. Yeah, we really screwed the pooch. On it's that one. okay. It all worked out in the end. Okay, another uh, Diamond Household question. For real, what is New Year's Eve like at the Diamond Household? It's so boring. We hate, I hate, I yeah. personally, I hate New Year's. Um, yeah. We we did it in 2020. We, we took over my in-law's house in Connecticut when they were out of the country, and that was lovely. We just sat around a fire outside eating pizza and counting down the clock. That is perfect. Yeah. Oh, I mean, I'm I'm in bed before before twelve, you know, blah blah blah. Yeah, it's so basic. It's yeah. just like I don't I I don't like build up. Yeah, it's I'm an anxious person, so anything where you have to count down is just terrifying. <laughs> it's a good point. The counting down does kind of build. Oh. The, yeah, the climax is always such a meh. Um, yeah, it's it's like too much. I just can't really. I can't get into it. I've never gotten into yeah. it. I don't want to kiss somebody randomly. I don't. Foreign going to Paris on New Year's Eve or going. That's I feel that's maybe the the, the fix. Yeah, I mean, we were actually in uh, Nice for Bastille Day this year. Oh, that's fun. And I was like, this is dope. Yeah, like, that was fun as heck. And um, yeah, like you know, I, I I appreciate holidays in a certain context, and you know, I, I actually like Bastille Day in Brooklyn too. It's very fun. Um, but I'm not a holiday person for the yeah. most part. I'm really, my wife is like, nobody loves, this is my, nobody loves Halloween more leading up to it, but hates the day itself more than you. I mean, let's just be transparent. As I lived in Brownstone, Brooklyn for 17 years and you live there, it's not a great day in Brownstone, Brooklyn. No. It's but, not a great day. We live right off of Brownstone, Brooklyn. We're like <laughs> on that border between Prospect Heights and Crown Heights. Okay. And I was joking about it, but it was serious. I was so amped to give out candy this year because yeah. you haven't been able to. No, I know. And I sat on my stoop for like an hour and a half. Nobody came by. Oh, And I literally really? was like, I feel like Linus in the pumpkin patch right now. Yeah. This is so sad. And my, my wife's like, can you just come upstairs? I'm like, no, I need to give candy to one person. And finally, these two people walked by, and I'm like, they look a little old. And I <laughs> literally asked, I'm like, hey, are you trick-or-treating? And they were like, yeah. I'm like, oh, here, Yo, here's some candy. Here's some candy. What was the candy choice? <laughs> I just I just got like the whole like Skittles bag, the fun and, pack. Yeah, the fun pack. Got it. Okay, so <laughs> I want to get one more question about cooking, mm -hmm. and I want to know uh, if you could use one spice for the year, and only one spice. <laughs> what would that spice be? So I, I, I just want to know your answer. So I know it's not a spice, but can I just say something really terrible about me? I love onions. I put uh, too oh. many onions in things. Yeah, it's not a spice, but I just want to say as a flavor. Uh, I overdo it with onions yeah. in a very disgusting way. Um, and my wife, I keep making up, I, I always have to mention my wife when I'm talking about food because it's kind of our whole thing is just eating. So I keep bringing her up. But uh, No, no, it's a great life partner thing to do. You yeah. bring up your wife. Yeah, yeah great. It's good. Uh, no, she makes fun of me all the time. She's like, you are disgusting with the, with the garlic and the onions. and. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, it's hard to say. I like 
could salt be considered a spike? Can we? No, does not count. Okay, absolutely does not count. I love no. salt. Salt um, is important. Uh, I don't know. That's a real tough one. Okay. I'm not a spice. It's like I'm not really a spice guy. Okay, well, well I'll give you the pass on that one, Thank Jason. Thank you, I appreciate it. Yeah, we're it. good. Sorry. All right, I got a few more media questions, then we'll come back to McNally. I just wanted to think <laughs> about McNally. That's, he's a, that's, a, that, that's a media question, too. It, yeah, it'll be, yeah, we'll get to him. But but really, you've written about our tour core. You've <laughs> written about Explore Core. Really great, um, you know, explorations in the cores. We talked about Spago Rock, which is a type of core. Okay, so is there a, a chef version of core? I, I feel like Chili Pants is like a core... <laughs> Is there Bourdain Cooks Tour core? I'm just like, these are my examples of like a food-related core. I do think people would like there to be a Bourdain core. Yeah. Um, Explain what a core is to you. Because uh, you, you really are, um, you could write a book about cores, I'm sure. I, well, you know, it's like, it's funny because I grew up in, in going to punk shows. Yeah. And I think the, the core thing really comes from the punk scene. Sure. The hardcore, Absolutely. ska core, emo, you know. So it's kind of funny to see that be- become sort of a big thing now with like... Um, you know, like the norm core and this and that. So for me, it's just kind of playing with it because I think yeah. it's silly. Yeah. But um, I also, I just notice things. I notice things a lot and I, I'm like, why is that a thing? Why do I see more of that than I used to see? And um, with Explore Core, that's a new one. That's a burgeoning one. And I don't know if I'm ever going to use it for mm-hmm. real. But I've been noticing that like there's a lot of designers who are like, oh, let's like try to you know look like, Paul Bowles in Morocco. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've been just noticing like little things like that, and I just kind of it's find like it LL Bean, a little bit, a little LL Bean, but I would say more like '80s Banana Republic. Oh, banana, right, right, yeah. more of an '80s banana, right? Or and but also more like uh, uh, I don't know. There's there's other ones more like uh, I want to say Versace, but it's uh, I don't know Armani, more more Armani mm-hmm. in the '80s. Mm-hmm. So like stuff like that, um, like more like khaki and. Mm-hmm. Um, just you know, very interesting man looking like he's going yeah. to go find some holy grail, right. you know, which you're just Gore Vidal potentially yes. in yeah. that zone. I love Gore. Yeah, Gore is great. Um, well, maybe Gore not. is great. We should, that's actually not a great poll quote. Please don't no. use Gore Vidal as great as a poll. That's gonna be that's gonna be the uh, <laughs> the bumper sticker that comes let's, out of this. Let's <laughs> okay, and then there's Artur Core, which is like the vintage Hollywood attire, yeah. dead stock. So get into that because that was really cool. I just you know like I'm wearing like you had mentioned I'm wearing uh, a hat by this by these people that do this thing called um, Human Boy Worldwide. Yeah, and there's a few of these that I really like that take these ideas uh, for like what you may have seen on a, on a movie set in like 1987 mm-hmm. or 1992 and they make their own version of it and this and this one it's a um you know like i love stuff anything albert brooks is, is oh is, yeah yeah like that's to me like he's the, he's the king but um you know i love but i also love looking at old vintage movie merch like when you look at like a spike lee movie and he's on set he's always got like i think from like from the early days, like Malcolm X was like the big one because that all of a sudden the X hats were everywhere. But like when he was doing like do the right thing, I think he had shirts and yeah. Um, and then he like look on the set of like any movie, like any Nora Ephron film, any they've all got like some sort of merch like connected to the movie. And I just think it looks so cool. And it's so great. There was a capsule recently of vintage of of this kind of tour core. That was like an internet capsule uh, with A24. Oh, yeah. Those guys. A24 is like, you know, they're they're leading the charge now. They are. I think Kith does some interesting stuff. With, like, they get like, they did like the Goodfellas drop. Yes. And I was like, yeah, I really want some of that. 
Um, which, by the way, the greatest food scene in movie history, Goodfellas, the garlic scene. Yeah, razor blade slicing. Yeah. Duh. I got to catch that herb of that pat from those guys. Yeah. 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 What's that brand called again? Uh, it's uh, This one is Human uh, human Boy Worldwide. Human Boy yes. Worldwide. Um, okay, so back to the, the chef. What's the food version of this? That is really a good question. I mean, I don't know, because, like, now Crocs are so big. Yeah. Like, people are wearing Crocs just, you know, and I'm like, I, the chefs wore those. Yeah. Like, when I first saw them. So it's like, it's already happening in Canceled a way. and uncanceled chefs wore them. Yes. Yeah. Oh, yes, yeah. that is true. Um, yeah. <laughs> certain canceled we for, chefs. We forget. Yeah. <laughs> forget about that part. Uh, <laughs> no, but um, I don't know. It's it's kind of funny because it's like, I it's I don't think, look, look. You look at pictures of Wolfgang Puck in the 80s, he looked pretty dope. Like he had like Absolutely. bandanas around his neck and stuff. And you Michael know. McCarthy. Oh my God. Get Michael. Yeah. Yeah. Michaels. I mean, there are some really good ones. Yeah. Uh, if you but you gotta really look. And um, you know, I think like I like when you watch a movie, like I remember American Psycho, you know, they they parody a lot of the 80s restaurants, but they also I think I mean in the movie they don't actually go to the restaurants, but they parody some of those. Uh, downtown, you know, the whatever the fusion gas, yeah, whatever Dorcia, it was. like which they just launched an app called Dorcia, which I think is the worst. Oh, god, really? They actually commoditize Dorcia. Dorcia is just a beautiful thing, just in the abstract, so yeah, yeah. but yeah. They, you know, it's like I think like there's a real look there yeah, to the totally. design of the restaurants. I don't think it's so much to me the way the chefs look, but I love the design of. A very 80s, oh. modern, and this is kind of Spago, but it's also this is more the New York version. Um, you know, it's 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 really fascinating to me, like how like this really modern kind of cold art, almost like the Beetlejuice House. Yes, like I love that, but I also, and I've been saying this for years, and I'm not trying to segue you into into Keith talk at all. But <laughs> we'll get there. Don't worry. There's another film. Um, it's New York stories. It's with uh, they have like the first. It's like three mini movies. One is by Scorsese. Yeah. One is by uh, that 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 guy who did Annie Hall, whose name I shall not mention because I don't want to yeah. start any yeah. problems. And another one by um, Francis Ford Coppola. And uh, there's a scene where they go to like a very Odeon looking place, and Steve Buscemi is like the hot young mm. artist. And I just I love that. That um, that specific kind of bistro, like the very like French inspired, almost noirish, mm-hmm. uh, like late seventies, early eighties take on, you know, it's like a combination of like Paris in the in, in from the new wave, but also like the American noir that influenced it, mm-hmm. kind of like playing off of each other uh, in a restaurant. And I love that that whole feel is just like the people in those restaurants, the look of the restaurants. You know the food. Like I love steak frites. Yeah, the 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 modern bistro or the '80s bistro is such a cool oh. moment. Thinking of SNL cast members where they used to yes. rap at uh, in '87, where like Eddie Murphy. Oh. Where was he at? Where was his after parties at? I, Which it, restaurants? I think he uh, a lot. He, so he they went a lot of them went to the Odeon. Yes, definitely. But also, um, uh, uh, Mister Mister, what's his name? Oh God, the Chinese restaurant. Mister Chow. Mister Chow yeah, was Mr. really Chow. big. Um, yeah, you know, and then also like I, I, I just remember uh, there's oh man, there were so many, I, there were so many of these places. But, oh, um, what was it? Nell's, which which was mm-hmm. a, was a, I think that's Nell's on Fourteenth. Yeah, yeah, that was a spot for Elaine's sure. Elaine's still, I think yeah. Elaine's really had a big SNL. You know, it's like yeah. there are all these spots, and I just love that. 
that that feeling um, of just like people having a like a little clubby place. I love that. Of, so, and then the Memphis design entered in the nineties, yes. and that whole f- moment with it like looks so those, weird. It's so strange. And when McDonald's started doing Memphis. Yeah. I mean, it's also extremely rad. Yeah. I mean, it's like kind of the best. Well, this this kind of goes back to what I was saying <laughs> earlier about the um, the Wolfgang Puck yes. airport restaurant. It's like totally like that. Funky, you know. I yeah. just I love that 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 vibe. It's like so weird, and um, you know, it, it's like somebody had to say this works. Yeah. And today, it's like you go into a restaurant. And I mean, you know, I have no. I love modern restaurants. There's yeah. so many that I love, but you just feel like somebody told the the the, the owner, yeah. Put this here. This has to sit here. This has to feel this way. Customers are going to love this. And I think like a lot of this other, you know, in the 80s and the 70s, it was just more like this is what the owner wants to do. It was more an expression of themselves, I feel like. Well, wrong. the stakes were lower. I mean, they could they could survive and doing their own passion project with design. Now there's like a real functionality moment. You have to like turn tables and I'm sure there's an element of functionality over style yeah. happening. You, you have to hope that like something catches TikTok's eye. Yeah, that you know, too. Have to have the decent light. And that's what I yeah. always talk about this. I love places with bad lighting. Yeah. Like that is to me, I'm like, okay, you have won me over already. I you love that. Bad lighting. <laughs> a couple more media questions. Yeah. Um do you have a favorite cookbook of the season? We talk about cookbooks yeah. a lot on the show. Molly, Molly Yeh's. Yeah, it's good. It is. She's extremely funny. Oh God. She's a very funny writer. Oh my she's I love her. Yeah. I really I, I I feel like I have a very, without really knowing her, we, we've talked for for the last few years over online, mm-hmm. but she's, to me, like, there are certain food people that I really relate to. Like, you mentioned Helen Rosner, yeah. you know, being from Chicago, Molly being from Chicago, that really kind of, like, that kind of stuff really connects with me, and she is hilarious. Like, I loved her blog. Um, but besides that, no, I haven't read any new ones recently. I kind of stick to, like, when I find one, I really, I love yeah. it. I hold on to it, and uh, I have a pretty good collection, but I haven't gotten any other ones that I really like this year. It's nice. Stick with the classics. Okay, we're back to Keith McNally. <laughs> you have been on the Keith beat, and um, outside of Albert Brooks, which you, I, have you requested an interview with Albert Brooks I have. ever? I'm always requesting. You, I would say, like, you have to break this code. I mean, the Albert Brooks interview, you need to do that <sighs> for GQ. I'm trying. GQ, you and GQ. But Keith, you're the chronicler. I mean, you are on top of his uh, moods. And, of course, this crazy James Corden thing blew up, which I just don't want to talk about, to be honest, because that guy is the worst. Yeah. But the egg, oak, the egg yolk omelet, though, that was pretty funny. Funny enough, I went to Michael's randomly that next day, and I ordered an egg yolk omelet. Or I tried to get them to send it to me, and they didn't know what I was talking about. So I, is that real? I, I feel like, no, it can't be. It can't be. It doesn't work. Yeah. That's the guy looked at me like, what the hell? That's That, to me, is like one of those things where you're like, is this like an LA thing? <laughs> like, I don't know, are you doing this for like good skin? I don't know what this is. But yeah. Is there a piece of journalism that you're working on related to Keith McNally that we are, we sh- we shall read at some point? In theory, yeah. there should be. I'm always pressuring my editors. Like, you know, I, I write for GQ and I write for Grub Street. Those are my two main. And I feel like at some point, at some point, they're going to let me write about Keith. But... If they don't, that's fine. I'll just continue doing it uh, on my own. As a chronicler of his uh, moods. Have you met him? I, I've met him once. He was actually kind of nice. You know, yeah. I was really surprised. I met his brother a few times. Oh, yeah. Brian? Um, yeah, who he opened the Odeon with. And it yeah. was really funny. I was um, getting a, I, I got a couple of uh, pieces of art framed, and I walked into the framing store, and I saw Brian there. And I go, oh, hey, I'm a big fan of uh, – because he owns – he actually owns – I think it's Black Horse Tavern mm. in South Slope. 
and I've been going there for years. Interesting. I didn't know that. Um, yeah, I've been going there for a long time. And uh, I was like, hey, I'm a big fan of your restaurants. He goes, so? Funny. And I was like, awesome. That's a great line. Yeah. Uh, Brian McNally has a cool history. Yeah. Like Dana Brown writes about it in his memoir, which is great. Yeah, yeah. About Vandy Fair. But he has his own like world um, that's separate from Keith. But for you, Keith, the interview, <laughs> what do you ask the guy? I actually want to ask him about his his film career because yeah. he has a movie that he <laughs> that that showed at Cannes. Like he like he did a an indie film, directed it. Yeah, interesting. Uh, you know he's he's a pretty interesting guy. I mean, you know he'll he some of his posts are really fascinating, and then he'll be like, "It's Woody Allen's birthday." It's like you're a troll, man. Come on. Yeah, he just does that. That that stuff is like Trumpian and bullshit. Yeah. I, I feel but there's a deep level there that you will get to in your piece that I hope you write one day. Yeah, me too. I I don't know. I just I like. It's like you want. It's like you always want to be like, oh, Balthazar is not that good, or Pesty. You know, all these places or or whatever. I'm like, if these places weren't here, whenever a Keith McNally place closes, yeah. First of all, I feel a little sad. Mm-hmm. Um, Minetta Tavern, you know, I don't know if you've ever read anything by Jeremiah Moss who wrote Yeah, uh, Vanish yeah. New York, yeah. You know, Jeremiah's talked a lot about, like, um, he has a term for it, but it's sort of like, like, basically like gentrification of, like, these old places. And Minetta Tavern is, like, one of his prime spots that he talks about how it was, you know, this old bar, which I went into a few times when it was that bar. Mm. Um, and then it gets taken over by, you know, some restaurateur and... $48 burgers are on yeah. the menu. Uh, I, I get that, and I do totally agree in a lot of cases, but Manetta Tavern, on the other hand, it's like he kept it. He it made it look nice. Like, it looks beautiful in there, and it's uh, so dark and so weird, and the service is so impeccable. And It's a real net positive for New York. The same you could say for Eisenberg's, too. Oh, yeah. I mean, Eisenberg's is probably going to fade away, but these guys picked it up and decided they wanted to make it for the more modern age. Yeah, that's beautiful. And I wish more people did that. Um, yeah, me too. You know, and that, that that to me is like a thing that I'm always thinking about. It's like, I don't want to see some bastardized version of New York. I don't want to see the Disneyland version of New York. You know, I went to, do you remember when they did, they, they reopened Chumley's? Oh yeah, that was a disaster. That was, yeah. oh my God. I that, went there. My wife and I, I still tell, I still, I, I, I have, I don't hold grudges. I'm not a grudge person, but for some reason, I'm fixated on how bad that bird, like that that whole experience was so bad. It was like modernist food, which is strange. Yeah. It was like, like a modernist menu in Chumley's. Weird. And then they put up weird. all this like weird, like, just like, ugh, it's all these writers, you know, hung out here and here's some book covers. And I'm yeah, like, this it was corny. is so corny. Um, you go to Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde's or whatever it's called. Oh, yeah, that place. I, I'd love to go there one day. Um, yeah. I have to ask you, Mark Marin like, filleted Vasalka on his podcast and said the food was bad. I, I've had mixed results there. What is your take on Vasalka's food <laughs> quality right now in late December, early December 2022? Uh, in, Jason de- in, Dece- in December, it's the it's the time that it'll treat you the rightest. Very uh, good point. Um, Great point there. I've been going there for so long. I've been going there since I was a teen. You know, it's like, yeah. it's always been there. I can't complain about it. It's like, that's the thing. It's like food like that. What do you what do you expect? Like, what Agreed. do you really want? It's a pierogi. Hard agree. Yeah. Think. And like, where do you get better borscht? I mean, I, I the borscht is my favorite. Yeah. Thing. Oh, my God. They're I love it. Yeah. That's my guy. Yeah. Borscht and pierogies. But I just it's like, what else? What What do you want? Like, you want like a four star? Like, no, that's not what you're no. doing there. Jason Diamond, we asked all guests on the Taste Podcast, if you could write a cookbook or food culture book without the burden of time, meaning there is no deadline or the burden of budget, meaning you have an unlimited amount of money to make that book happen. I'm so curious, Jason, what would that book be? 
Can I can I give two answers? Absolutely, yes. I'm obsessed with chicken. It it gets I think it gets kind of treated like the uh <laughs> the sort of like it has to be on a menu. Very good for SEO. Yes. In the recipe good. aggregation I've game. I've heard this. <laughs> um but I'm obsessed with stories behind chicken dishes, like family chicken dishes. Like all over the everywhere you go, it doesn't matter. Everywhere I've gone in the world, there's always chicken. Yeah. You know, it's just it's just there. Every you could if you're Muslim, you can eat it. If you're Jewish, you can eat it. You know, it's 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 a it's it's reliable. And <laughs> So every culture has had to figure out a way to do their own mm-hmm. chicken, and every house has it. You know, it's like I'm obsessed with chicken. I would love to do some, like, very big vanity chicken stories project. But Cool. The, I'm into it. Yeah. But the other one is I'm fascinated with um, the story of the food of the Jewish diaspora, not just Ashkenazi yeah. food, but the bigger story of of the Jewish story according to food or, or, or guided by food yeah. because – you know, I would love to write a big book that like starts thousand something years ago yeah. and starts to like trace where all these different s- people went to in different places, you know, because Jews are everywhere. Where we, I should mention I'm Jewish in case I, ha- yeah. I should say Jews are everywhere. No, no, no. But, um, Jason Diamond, you are a Jew yeah. as I am. So, yes. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I just want, I should, I always have to like say that. Well, yeah. Right now, stuff. late 2022, let's Especially, be clear. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Especially. Um, but yeah, no, I'm, I'm fascinated by, you know, I, I grew up with all the Ashkenazi fixins. Yeah. And, um, you know, I have some, some, uh, Turkish and mm-hmm. uh, Persian Jewish Sep- Sephardic side. Yeah, yeah, I've got a little of that, but it was never and ever in my life. But once I started like learning about like Persian food and Syrian food and just all these different, and then like South American Jewish food, and it just blew my mind. And then you go up to Canada. It's like that's yeah, a, you know, they have their own take on it, and obviously everyone knows about that now. But you know, it's it's a beautiful thing, and, and to me, it's like that's my culture. Um, and there's so much more to it than just like latkes and challah yeah. and brisket, which love those things. But I'm kind of curious. I love it. Bigger. I hope you can do that, Jason. I I think that there is a cool um, Sephardic uh, world out there that North American writers don't really cover. That's crazy. Yeah, it's really wild to it's me because that food is so good. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah, absolutely, Jason Diamond. Thank you for joining the Taste yeah, Podcast. Thank you. Oh my God. Thank you so much. The Taste Podcast is hosted by me, Matt Rodbard. It's produced by Pat Stango and edited by Clayton Gumbert. Theme music by Steve Rydell. Visit Taste Online at tastecooking.com and make sure to subscribe to our newsletter. Thanks for listening.